Welcome to the PokePress Digest Podcast, a Pokemon news magazine show. Here you'll find some of the best content offered by our site. For more, visit us at pokepress.blogspot.com. This installment has two segments. First, Anthem TV Podcast and I discuss a variety of Pokemon music that originated in Europe. Our choices include songs from the German version of the second movie and openings of the Italian dub. The second segment is a pair of short pieces, one where I compare the music of Octopath Traveler to Shinji Miyazaki's work on the Pokemon anime, and another where I announce an appearance at the upcoming Anime Banzai in Utah. Thanks. Hi, I'm Stephen Reich here at the PokePress Studios in Madison, Wisconsin. I'm on the phone with Anne from PP Podcast. And in a little bit of a break between the fourth and fifth generation Pokemon movies, we're going to be discussing some European Pokemon music, some some music that uh, came to us from Europe, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. I picked out some stuff from the anime as well as some some game music uh, that may have originated in Europe. We're not 100% sure. We're going to be talking about some stuff from the German dub of the second Pokemon movie, some stuff from the Italian dub, and also some remixes of music from Pokemon Snap and Pokemon Stadium. So that gives you a loose idea of what we're going to be covering here. So I'm going to go first, and I've picked out a couple of things from the German soundtrack to Pokemon 2, The Power of One. So no, it's not Pokemon 2000, because in territories where the second Pokemon movie launched after the year 2000, in other words, in early 2001... The movie was called Pokemon 2, uh, which leads to, I guess, a little bit of a funnier subtitle there, perhaps. (laughs) But in any case, the German version of the movie has a couple of unique tracks. They're both performed by a musician called Tommy Thompson, uh, no relation to the former governor of Wisconsin, uh, which may give you an idea of how much difficulty I had finding any information on the production side of this. But he does Dubisnik the Line, You Are Not Alone. And he also does the German version of Pokemon Welt, or Pokemon World as we know it here in the States. Uh, That latter one might not seem too interesting, but we're going to have some things to say about the uh, German version of it. First off, let's start with Dubisnik the Line. Now, I don't know exactly where this fits into the credits, if it replaced the power of one in the actual end credit sequence, or if it did something else, or something like that. But basically, this is kind of a, a very poppy song. Uh, it's got sort of a, I don't know, and it, it's not rock, it's somewhere, it's maybe pop rock, something like that. Is that about the genre you got for it? Yeah, like I was definitely thinking very pop dance. But you're right, there's a few elements that might be classified as rock, too. Maybe we're talking sort of pop alternative. It's hard to classify exactly, but pop is definitely the leading (laughs) vibe. Yeah, yeah, I I would definitely uh, give you that there. And uh, as far as the actual lyrics, I I did look those up. I did take German in middle and high school, but my, my language skills are nowhere near good enough to give a a sort of a full dissertation on the lyrics there. (laughs) But I did look those up. I I didn't find... It talks about sort of like journeying to the world of Pokemon, sort of. Uh, The translation on Bulbapedia uses the term kidnap, uh, which I don't think is what the original German writer probably meant there. (laughs) I love Um, it. 
but sort of being whisked away to the world of Pokemon and sort of what you can accomplish there and what you can do. I don't know if, Anne, if you read through the translation, but I didn't really get, to be honest, much of a connection to at least the main movie there. There wasn't so much of a focus on, you know, compared to the English power of one, sort of the coming together and each person's individual strengths and stuff like that. Uh, what do you think there? I, I totally agree. In fact, I almost got a vibe that connected more with the short. Like, um, remember a lot on the English soundtrack, a lot of those tracks were like Wonderland and stuff about like falling into another world in the way that the Pokemon kind of fell out of their reality and into somewhere else to go rescue their friend or whatever. Like the, the idea of being kidnapped and whisked away to another place kind of called that short, the Pikachu short back to me more than anything that happened in that actual movie. So other than like the general sense of Pokemon being kind of an escapist fantasy story. Yeah. I, I felt a little, disappointed from what the title was of like you are not alone like it like i was expecting a straight up like soulful ballad about how like you're standing together with all your friends to achieve great things it was a bit of a a surprise yeah i don't want to say it's terrible or anything i certainly oh no no i don't regret listening to it and it should be noted that there is an alternative version with kind of a I don't know, more laid back, uh, more ballady um, uh, arrangement for the for the instruments. Uh, did you get a chance to listen to that one, Anne? I did not, but I have a feeling I would appreciate it much better. Like I did enjoy kind of the more upbeat and like all the put your hands up in the air. But I do think that second arrangement you're talking about probably fits the mood of the movie. Like when the end credits are rolling a little better because they're very serious those images that you're looking at visually. Yeah, no, definitely there's a lot of uh, reflection going on. And I think that's uh, one of the things the power of one does very well is it makes you sort of not super overtly, maybe a little sort of think about the movie you just seen. And I don't, I don't feel like, like I said, it, something is obviously lost in the translation. And uh, unfortunately I wasn't able to dig up much information. I think the, uh, not only the artist, but some of the production staff, I think there's uh, Mike Michaels is listed as like the uh, producer and let's see, uh, MM Dollar, which is just sort of a way of saying million dollars. And mm. like, my, was not able to get anything. I think the most I found is that I think a couple of those people were in a, a somewhat oddly named musical group called like Musical Instructor. Like, that was, huh. it was, the name was in English, I guess, or that was an album title or something they had worked on, but really unfortunately was not able to find out much more about uh, about any of this if anyone out there does have some information on the production side of this that would be very much appreciated uh, but as far as like the the alternate remix version of Dubious Nicht Line. I'm not really sure how it was released. There must have been some sort of radio single, but it's not on the like uh, the Pokemon Two album that I have from from uh, one of the German speaking countries. It's it's not on there. But Anne, did you have any any thoughts on that version of it? I don't believe I found the alternative remix version that you're talking about. I I did find um, an official music video that was not Pokemon themed at all, although. It did have that it was for the Pokemon movie in the credits, but it sounded so similar to the other, the movie track that I, I think it was probably the same. So I think I found not what you're talking about. Ah, <laughs> uh, I see. 
Yeah, well, you know, I always do kind of wish that The Power of One had had a music video or that they had recut the one of the fl- Flying Without Wings music videos and uh, with scenes in the movie. So mm. I guess that's one thing the uh, dubious sneak to line has over uh, the English soundtrack. But somehow I doubt you'll have Angela Merkel quoting anything from this anytime soon. Well, darn. <laughs> All right, well, we did mention that... Uh, Mr. Thompson did do another song on there, and that's Pokemon Welt, which is the German version of Pokemon World. And we wouldn't normally bring this one up, except that uh, the version that is on the soundtrack, at least, has very different backing instrumentation. The vocals have a fair bit of resemblance to the Youngstown Nobody's Angel version you would hear in the English dub of the second movie, but... The background instruments are extremely different. Now, I'm not sure if this was something the German folks did, because it's it, I don't actually think so, because I'm looking at the album credits, which are pretty much all in English anyway for some reason. Um, but it does say, like, uh, all of like, the uh, arrangement and instruments credits go like, to Neil Jason and uh, Jeff Golub. I, I'm not sure exactly if I pronounced that right, but those are the same folks who did the... Uh, instruments on the English version and the arrangement. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think I knew about this disparity when I interviewed uh, Neil Jason a couple years ago, but uh, maybe I'll ask him at some point if I ever get to see him again. Um, but uh, as far as this alternate instrumentation, it seems a little more laid back, I would say, than the the one from the opening sequence in the English version. Uh, what do you think, Anne? I was thinking Garage Band, like... Not the Apple program, like legit a bunch of dudes in a garage banging. Like there's just something very indie and punk about that. those opening drum beats that I quite like. It's an interesting choice, and it sounds like there's a quite the story behind how that particular instrumentation got chosen. I wonder if they used maybe a demo instead of the final processed pop version or something. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a mystery to me because based on just the credits, I would have to assume that this was an alternate instrumentation that was recorded at some point, mm-hmm. um, whether it was recorded originally for the English version and just not used there. Maybe it was an alternate uh, or maybe they intended to put some sort of remix thing out there besides just the, what they did for The Power of One. I guess my one kind of criticism is maybe I, I do still think the guitar in in this alternate uh, instrumentation is a little more distorted than I would like. It's not awful, but it's got more of a, a harder edge, and I think really quite fits the song. <laughs> I agree. If there were slightly different lyrics, I think I would appreciate it more. And it being in German, and I don't speak German, like I think I. I'm more inclined to like the overall effect, like just give me some revolver held type feeling. But yeah, like knowing what the lyrics are in English, it makes me feel a little bit of dissonance, but it does fit. I, I Like I said, the drums feel like very Indian, a garage, the overly distorted guitar. Again, I, I feel like they fit together in the sense of if they're going for that vibe of like 16-year-olds rocking out in their parents' basement, they've they've nailed it. <laughs> but but it doesn't quite fit the image I have of this song and and its lyric lyrics and its meaning. So <laughs> one thing that occurred to me while listening to it is maybe this arrangement is better suited to say the ending credits of a Pokemon movie rather oh. than the other version which 
I think fits better with that opening sequence, at least the one that they use in the second Pokemon movie. Uh, what do you think, Anne? Yes. Yeah, as soon as you said that, that's... I would like to try that out. I think you might be right. Like even just switching this song and um, do do is nik benign. However, you know how to pronounce it. I don't. Um, switching those two songs, I think, would be really interesting. I'd like to pull up like a video editor software and see if that works a little better. Maybe. Mm. That's that's actually taking it a bit further than than what I had in mind, actually. But uh, kind of interesting. <laughs> well. <laughs> Uh, I did also want to ask, there's a, a secondary artist mentioned in the things here. It says uh, Tyra is, I'm guessing, the person who does the uh, the female rapping vocals that you hear throughout the, the song. I mean, there's there's some of that in like the, the, the English version, but there's definitely more of it here. Any thoughts on that? I, I, I like it. Like the, it's kind of hard to give a lot of thoughts because mostly I'm just looking at this track like, wow, that is so interesting. I would have never thought to do that and to play this instrument that way and to use that vocalist that way. So I, I don't know that I can say if I like one better than the other. I don't know if my thoughts are, you know, much deeper than that is so interesting. I really like though just the you know, they're using so much from the original track, but yet it is so different. So I really applaud that. And the vocalist is part of that. Just another way that they're taking something we know and going in a slightly different direction. I guess the last question I got to ask, let's suppose that this arrangement did exist for the English version. And not only that, but there is a Youngstown Nobody's Angel English equivalent of this arrangement with, say, possibly with all that rapping and stuff. Would you want to hear that? Yes. Yes, I would. Because it would be it would be different. I, I don't know that I would necessarily love the result as much as I love some of the songs we already have. <laughs> but I I always kind of lean towards Pokemon music and Pokemon in general, just being willing to go out on a creative limb. And this is definitely that. All right. Well, that's that's about what I had uh, for my my first segment, where we talk about a couple things in the German version of the second Pokemon movie. Shifting gears a bit, you may remember in our underappreciated Pokemon music episode we did a while back that the Italian dub of the anime for the first oh ten seasons or so did not use, they did not do a, a a dub of the English opening theme as most Western countries did. They did their own thing. And Anne, it sounds like you've picked out a couple that we didn't talk about back then uh, to sort of discuss now. Uh, first off, uh, did you have anything uh, biographical about the musicians involved in these songs? Yeah, I did. Um, all of the tracks I picked, and I believe all of the Italian, all of the songs they wrote for their opening and ending themes, were uh, done by kind of the same people. It was overseen by um, Alessandra Valeri Manera. She wrote the lyrics for for all of them, really. And her name comes up on a lot of compilation albums of popular themes and anime themes and children's cartoons and the like. And then the the singers were Giorgio Vanni and Cristina D'Avena. And I, I apologize if I'm pronouncing them wrong. I'm sure I am, but I've not met them to ask them. But they, they are basically a trio that are on almost all of the tracks in the Italian, on the Italian anime music. And 
on many children's cartoons in Italy. Um, and uh, Miss Manera or Ms. Manera, she's often credited um, as the manager of children's programming for the media set group, which was in charge of the Pokemon dub at the time. She held that position from 1980 to 2001, I believe. And during her time there, she composed dozens upon dozens of song lyrics for children's television. And many of them, and almost all of them for Pokemon, were sung by uh, Mr. Vani and Ms. Deavena. Uh, let's see. Giorgio Vani is well known for, again, performing television theme songs, but he got a start in a band called Tomato or Tomato, uh, whatever <laughs> the dominant pronunciation they decided on was. And, and Miss Devena as well kind of has a similar career of doing a lot of music for television and, and just having made a very good career there. Um, Mr. Vani also has composing credits on a lot of these songs that I'm going to list. Um, and the first one is Always Pokemon. Always Pokemon is the anime opening from the third season of the Italian dub of Pokemon. And this thing is the catchiest thing I have ever heard. It is very much a dance track. It's very fun to sing along to. And they have a lot of a lot going on in the instrumentation and the vocalists. You've got um, Giorgio Vanni and Cristina Deavena singing, but you've also got like a lot of call and response in the background, what sounds like children chanting at some point. And it's so full of energy. The vocalists sound like they're having such a good time. And it's one of the songs that was on my work playlists when I was putting myself through college as a janitor. And, you know, despite that being rather an unfun job, it's impossible not to smile when this song is on. It fills me with such a joy. Uh, you've heard this song as well, haven't you, Stephen? Like, what are your thoughts on it? Oh, yes, yeah. And and by the way, the Italian Pokemon openings, along with a lot of the other work done by these folks, is pretty much all available on iTunes and other um, uh-huh. places. They There's a big collection that has stuff from, like, the first eight or so seasons, eight or nine seasons called uh, The Master Saga, which has a bunch of openings and some remixes. I think we'll probably talk about these Bohev remixes that you've picked out. Uh, but yeah, it's it's really nice that we're able to, I mean, that's one of the reasons we're able to, to say so much about these is that uh, they are fairly readily available compared to some other things we, we're going to talk about today. But I'm not sure I, I have too much. I mean, I like the songs a lot. I played them on the station, of course. This particular one, I actually think I have a little more to say about the the remix version. There's a neat little instrument in there that I really like. But and why don't you say a little bit about the the uh, actual content of this song? What is it actually talking about? Well, it's very much in the line of Pokemon themes, like in English too. Like there's kind of a lot of just like energy and like travel the world, be with your friends, uh, catch Pokemon, and follow your dreams. And, and this one is kind of along that theme. Like, I wouldn't say the lyrics go incredibly deep into, like, the meaning of life in the same way, like, a single for an ending movie theme might. But I do really like the chorus. Like, there's a lot of references to spinning spinning a Pokeball and, and throwing a curveball and things like that, and the way the world spins, and the way life revolves a little bit, I guess. And, like... The translation I've got here is like round and round the world, raise your flag when you've arrived and kind of a feeling that adventures never really end and, and, you know, perseverance makes the world go around, things like that. 
it's not the deepest thing, but I really just love the passion and the energy that's behind it. Like, there are moments where the vocalists really dig into what they're saying about like, let's all set out together and, 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 you know, you know, power of friendship and all that. But they kind of dig in in a way that reminds me very much of Rika Matsumoto when she sings as Satoshi and the way like she gets that real guttural character sound in her voice. And so I, I feel like there's so much that's similar that I love about Pokemon. And yet there is so much new and unique and create creative and unique to to Italy, I guess. And uh, going on to the remix version, the reason I kind of wanted to point that out um, is that there's that synth lead that I can't quite recreate. I can hear it in my head, but it's kind of hard to, to actually sing what that is. You know which, which one I'm talking about? I believe it's in the Always Pokemon remix. I know which one you're talking about. I've not listened to it as much. So uh, you take it away. <laughs> uh, like I said, I can't actually like recreate it here, but uh, give it a listen. Uh, the only <laughs> thing is, I, the some of the tracks on that, like the Master Saga album, especially the remixes, tend to have very awkward sort of ends there for whatever reason. They don't fade out or seem to have a, a proper ending for some reason. It seems like it's it's kind of weird. It made it a little difficult to use them on the station. Sometimes I had to sort of fudge things a little bit. But uh, I think that's probably enough about Always Pokemon. You did pick out one other one, right? Yes, I picked out uh, Beyond the Skies of the Adventure. Um, it does have a, a proper Italian title. I'm not going to try to pronounce it because I'm really quite bad at it. I tried and practiced several times and it just came out terrible. But it is also sung by Giorgio Vanni. He also has a composer credit, lyrics written by Alessandra Valeri Manera. Um, same team. It's a bit different, though. It's still kind of got, you know, a pop dance track, but it starts out with these very moody elements and like a minor key and such. And as the song progresses, by the time it gets to the chorus, it has become more of a major key. So it's a little bit different musically. And it can it kind of just creates an emotional response in you, like such a determination and empowering change of mood. I, I very much like it. It's kind of similar but different to Always Pokemon. Now, if my memory serves me, I believe this is the time-wise, at least, equivalent to Pokemon World in the English dub. Is that correct? Yes, it is um, the opening for the Orange Islands season. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, what about the actual content of the song itself? What is it sort of talking about? Kind of similar things, uh, you know, the adventure, power of friendship, see the world. There's a lot of use of the word uh, liberta, like um, freedom, and the idea of freedom being never-ending adventure, and freedom being like hard work and perseverance even, and maybe a little bit of, of suffering, and by training, you will become the the best and achieve that freedom of adventure. So there's a lot of a lot of use of that. I kind of think is really interesting. Again, it it, it being an opening theme, it is not the deepest. It is mostly about kind of the energy and the catching. But I I think musicality of the song conveys a lot more emotion than the lyrics. Um, the, the lyrics are not real metaphorical, but, you know, they suffice. But the music that's underneath it creates such 
a, a mood within you that like by the end of the song i feel like cheering i feel i feel like getting up and and doing something proactive yeah that's definitely a feeling i get with a lot of the italian openings is that they're instrumentally and compositionally very well produced very well performed very energetically performed which we would kind of expect for this type of uh, franchise and this type of work so uh, definitely something worth checking out and like you said i I do want to point out you said that they had been you know the some of the folks on this have been working since like 1980 on some of this so yeah it was it was pretty common in italy for the 80s 90s and into the 2000s for foreign um TV shows that might have very well-known theme songs to get com- some uh, the completely different treatment in Italy. I, yeah, I did uh, w- one of the other ones in this group that, that is not Pokemon related that I'm familiar with. Is I did eventually pick up the Italian equivalent of like the Mario cartoon opening themes when the, those started <laughs> coming to Italy in 1990. Um, it's it's pretty interesting stuff there. So I would suggest checking out some of the the other cartoons. Uh, I know like they have an alternative theme for like Inspector Gadget and some other stuff from from those eras. So mm-hmm. and I would definitely like just like to add and point out for these Italian songs, they're really so worth checking out. I I can't say for sure. It might be because the team has been together and doing this since the 80s on other cartoons and for so long on Pokemon. But there is such a sincerity in these Italian songs. A professional singer has to bring that no matter what. But I don't feel like for a second anybody on this track was like, okay, we'll do a kid's song and cash a paycheck. And, and I wonder if that might be because they worked together, the three of them, and and worked for so long producing Pokemon theme songs. Like, every note in this thing makes me believe with all my heart and soul that they love Pokemon as much as I do, and not a sense of pandering to kids or that this song was less because it was for a children's TV show at all. It's amazing. I I love it so much. Yeah, you definitely have to give them the say that they put effort into it. I absolutely agree with that. (laughs) Okay, well... For our, I guess you could say, third act here, I've picked out something from the video games, sort of. So, I don't know if this stuff was released elsewhere, but of course, you know, on the uh, Nintendo 64, there were a bunch of side Pokemon games. There was Snap, there was Stadium, there was Hey You Pikachu, Pokemon Puzzle League. I think those are like the four main ones, not counting like Stadium 2 and stuff like that. But uh, I don't know if they ever released a soundtrack in Japan, but in, I believe, Germany, or at least that might just be where Nintendo of Europe is based, and that's why it's attributed there. Um, It says Nintendo of Europe on here. But there is a combined soundtrack that has the uh, some of the, the pieces from Pokemon Snap and Pokemon Stadium. And uh, if that were all it was, we probably wouldn't be talking about it here, but... There are some bonus tracks. There are four bonus tracks, two from, let's see, Stadium and two from Snap. Unfortunately, there's like virtually zero crediting. I don't know if these were contracted out to some people in Europe or if this was some stuff from Japan that got carried over. I don't know if there is even an equivalent soundtrack over in Japan for these games. Seems a bit odd that there wouldn't be, but uh, I can't verify that one way or the other, unfortunately. But there are four remixes here. Um, Let's see, they're called uh, World of Pokemon Orchestral House, 
On My Way Celtic Dub, Gotta Snap Em All Mystic Mew Mix, What's Your Name Team Rocket's Hardcore Style would be the last one there. So I wouldn't say any of these are like super, maybe the most amazing things. I, I tend to think the stadium mixes, those first two, World of Pokemon and On My Way, are the more interesting of the two. I do think the Snap ones are, are fine. They're all fine to listen to. Um, but if I had to, to sort of say one side is better than the other, World of Pokemon, as the name sort of implies, is sort of a an orchestral uh, arrangement. It doesn't sound like a real orchestra, pretty sure, but of the original Pokemon game theme, not to be confused with the one from the anime, or the English anime anyway. And uh, it sounds... Pretty nice, although I think with maybe with uh, symphonic evolutions and you know the what you can do now with synthesizers, maybe it sounds a little bit out of date. Uh, Anna, did you have any particular thoughts on that one? I agree about the the orchestra. What I think this track has going for it is that it's playing up the comedy. Like there's the, kind of the sound of like an orchestra warming up, and then like the conductor getting angry at some dude playing Game Boy in the middle of the concert, like. There's a lot going on in this track that I was not expecting from the the title. It, it's not the world's greatest track, I agree. And, and the, again, the synth the synthesized instruments are a little out of date, but there's something about it that is just very unique to it. Somebody had a sense of humor when they made this track. Okay, and then let's move on to On My Way, the Celtic dub. Now, if memory serves me, this is based on... Uh, the Route 1 theme, I want to say. It's, it's one of the Route themes. That one from yeah. the, the games. And uh, it uses the it samples from the stadium version of that. I think it's using one of the menus somewhere. Uh, that version of it, it does some, some neat little looping stuff. And uh, I kind of like the, the, the acoustic or um, nature, not, not really acoustic guitar is what I mean there, but sort of the, the, the way the sound kind of feels in that one. Was that sort of uh, your impression, Anne? Yes. No, I, I love the idea of this track. Like when I talk about how I want Pokemon to try different things and try different things creatively, like this is exactly what I'm talking about. Like who would have thought to take the Route 1 theme and do like a Celtic arrangement of it or a Celtic interpretation of it or, or of any Pokemon music ever. Like, this is just so, who thought of this to thought to even try it? Like, y you all have to listen to this track. Like, this is what I want Pokemon to be doing all the time. Not Celtic necessarily, but to be trying something so off the beaten path that and, and making it interesting. Like, I'm getting flashbacks to the Shire or something. It's really creative. I love it to pieces. The other very different thing it kind of reminds me of a little bit is the song uh, Chasing Cars by Snow Patrol, which obviously came out oh. <laughs> years later after this this was released, of course. But um, I, I think that might be a good pairing, I guess, or something like that. Like you could stuff lyrics from that into some of the more – uh, less full parts of, of this mix and somehow make a mashup or something like that. It just kind of has that kind of vibe here. Oh, now, fun. I didn't hear this <laughs> after I heard Chasing Cars, but all the same, uh, any thoughts in that area, Anne? I may have to do that one of these days. This sounds like a great idea. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's 
definitely all four of these tracks I feel like are a little on the thinner side um, in terms of composition. Like, I don't feel like they're as full. So, yeah, your idea of mixing it with another existing track or some lyrics or something, I I think would round it out a little better. But, yeah, on the whole, I'm just so impressed by that someone thought of this idea because that is that is not what I usually think of is like Celtic music when I hear the chiptune Pokemon themes or yeah I I'm just so so amazed that this exists. <laughs> yeah, now kind of unfortunately, I'm not sure I have a ton to say about Gotta Snap Them All, Mystic Mumix, and uh, What's Your Name, Team Rocket's hardcore style. I think the the music from Snap, well, some of it is, is honestly pretty great. Maybe isn't is is a bit more less melody driven and less ambient, and maybe it doesn't mix as well by itself. So I'm not sure I have a ton to say about either of those. They're not bad. Uh, I do think they're worth listening to at least once, both of those. But uh, Anne, did you have anything about those last two you wanted to share? Um, well, Gotta Snap Them All kind of creeped me out. Like, I wasn't sure what I was listening to at first. Um, but yeah, like, there, there's definitely four very different tracks on this album. Um, the What's Your Name, like, that's the theme from like when you Professor Oak is like asking you for all your your name and your gender and all that input, right? Like, am I wrong? To be honest, I, I actually have not spent all that much time playing Pokemon Snap, so I don't remember exactly where all the music goes in there beyond what's whatever's in that title. Gotcha. But I assume it must be the name entry, yeah. Yeah, like I I don't know if I've ever heard anybody cover that particular track or you know, that it would be the part of the game that people musically responded to. So, again, like, I am impressed and I applaud that this little mini album did something different. And it chose, like, you know, World of Pokemon, yeah, everyone's done that. And as an orchestral, everyone's done that. But it did something different with it. And On My Way, very different. Gotta snap them all is way different. Um, and then this is like, again, a track I don't think I've ever heard anybody cover ever. So there's something to be said, I, I guess, for just the, the willingness to go be creative and to try to do things that nobody's done that I really do admire, even if I don't, I agree, I don't know if those last two tracks I'll ever listen to again. Doesn't mean they weren't worth your time. I, I do kind of Right. No, they were they were definitely worth my time. Like, again, creativity inspires creativity. So applause to them. Just so you know, the album this is on is called, like I said, Gotta Catch the Sound. It has an English title on there. It's fairly rare. You'll see it pop up on eBay. It's more common than, say, you know, the Pokemon Live soundtrack, which is heavily in demand and stuff like that. But if you want to pick up a copy, it's not going to be cheap, but it may not be super expensive either. I'm not. It sort of depends on all that. All right. Well, um, uh, kind of unfortunately, we didn't get any feedback directly related to Europe, but don't let that stop you if you're listening to this episode. Go ahead, give us a comment. We'll include that hopefully in a future episode. Goodness, our pronunciation of European names might might draw a few comments. I suppose so. At least we gave it an effort. I suppose. <laughs> We tried. <laughs> but we did get a comment on a previous episode. A couple episodes back, of course, we covered the Shaman movie, Movie 11. And uh, I did post on Reddit that uh, a little bonus segment where we sort of talked about the remixes of 
Crystal K's one. And we got a comment from Random J, who you know confirmed uh, the, that there were some uh, remixes on the single release. And this person liked the Cornelius remix, uh, is the one mm. they preferred. Uh, Anne, any thoughts on that? Uh, I still actually need to go back at some point, I suppose, and, and listen to those. But uh, any thoughts there? I I think I would have to go back and listen to the Cornelius remix as well. Um, I, I'm kind of in love, like, emotionally with the track, the original track. So, but definitely I have more reason to check it out now that, you know, some of the listeners are giving it positive feedback. Because often with remixes of singles, with, with Japanese singles, like, I find they are not, especially to my taste, like, a lot of them seem to be, especially for the purposes of, like, DJing. Um, and it depends on the artist, obviously, but it, Crystal K being R&B might lead to some different musical influences. But I've been burned in the past chasing down remixes and finding that, you know, if I'm not actually at the club, I don't really care that much. So, Yeah, like I said, I can't really provide much feedback. I don't know much beyond the original song. Uh, the only real remix I know is the one with uh, Pikachu and Shaman, and that one was <laughs> just kind of there. I. I have a feeling the Cornelius remix might might be a slightly different caliber, so here's hoping. <laughs> but thank you for recommending it, uh, Random J. Yep, yep, and you can give feedback on this or any of the episodes that we've done in this series yet, and like I said, we will try and feature it on a future discussion. And speaking of upcoming episodes, our next episode will be covering the first fifth-generation movie, that's Movie 14, Pokemon the movie White slash Black, uh, Victini and Zekrom slash Reshiram. I think I got those uh, parallel in the correct order. <laughs> this is, of course, the one that has the two very similar movies, and the Japanese and English side kind of went in different directions. So on the Japanese side, we have the band Every Little Thing, which has two different songs, I believe, between the two versions, depending mm-hmm. on which one you saw. There's The Sky and The Voice. And then on the English side, they decided to do effectively one song, but two very different arrangements with two different lead singers. There's Follow Your Star, and there's the Ideals mix with Alex Nackman as the vocalist, and the... Truth Mix with Catherine Rayo. So, different approaches there. I think that's going to be a very interesting discussion on several levels there about maybe which approach we prefer in addition to which song. Until then, Anne, thank you very much for being on. Well, thank you very much for having me. This has been Stephen Reich from the Pokepress Studios in Madison, Wisconsin, discussing some European Pokemon music. Hi folks, Steven here. So I recently finished up the main campaign, or I guess I should say campaigns, of Octopath Traveler. And I've been reflecting a bit on the music, and I've made an observation I kind of wanted to share and get some thoughts on. So the music for Octopath Traveler was written by uh, Yasunori Nishiki. I hope I said that relatively correct. And uh, if you want a copy of it, there is like a four-CD version you can import from Japan, but there's also sort of a demo preview album that was released early this year with music from the demo version released last year. Now, I guess you could say it's sort of a quote-unquote typical RPG soundtrack. Uh, It's got these very lush orchestral arrangements. 
And uh, the more I listen to it, the more it reminds me of Shinji Miyazaki's work on the Japanese version of the Pokemon anime. You may remember that he, he does that. He scores the movies and things like that. However, I, I think I really like the Octopath stuff a little bit better. And uh, you know, if you've heard our discussions about the Pokemon movie music uh, I've been with Anne for the last uh, year or so, I've mentioned that I haven't been, I don't dislike, or I shouldn't say I don't hate Shinji Miyazaki's work on the more recent movies, but I haven't been super taken aback by anything really since, like, movie 10. Um, and as far as styles, I'm not saying that these two folks uh, do exactly the same type of music. I think the closest ones, for comparison, are kind of the more ambient tracks that appear for like some of the overworld areas in Octopath, or some of the cutscene cues that are in there. You compare those two, there, there's just some similar tracks in sort of the Pokemon movie scores, as I did some review. And uh, in that, those cases, and sort of generally overall, I think I prefer the Octopath tracks. I think they have better overlaid melodies for those ambient tracks, and just kind of better melodies in general. And uh, as I thought about this, I thought, well, why are these similar? Well, there's sort of the obvious one that they, you know, they're both uh, two composers or arrangers from Japan. Uh, and the material that they're working with, as far as like the source material they're scoring for, is somewhat similar. But uh, I did a little research. Turns out Yasunori is a couple years younger than me. And, you know, I'm not sure how definitive this is, but when Pokemon came to Japan in animated form, you know, when Shinji Miyazaki started. I guess releasing stuff that way through the show. Um, he would have been about 12 years old, so maybe that's a little on the high end, uh, I'm not sure, but he probably, almost certainly I would say, actually got exposed to some of the, the stuff there, so it may have been an influence. I did try looking up his website. He actually, Yashinori does actually have an English website or an English version of it. Didn't really list any influences, though, that sometimes musicians do. But uh, just overall, I kind of want to get your feedback on this. First of all, am I right that there is sort of a, a similarity, more than maybe you would expect by chance or whatever? And do you have a preference? Um, I'm not saying that, you know, Shinji Miyazaki should be fired and replaced with Yasunori, but, you know, maybe down the line, if he retires, they can bring Yasunori in. Who knows? But if you have any opinions in that area, go ahead, give us a comment. We always like that. All right, folks, thanks. Hi folks, Steven here. So you may recall that I was unable to attend Worlds this year, and I'm also not planning on going to the Internationals this fall. So that has given me the first world problem of having some extra vacation days that I would like to use outside of, say, the holiday window. And so I uh, asked around and I asked Anne from Beginning Podcast if there were any anime conventions coming up in the uh, Utah area. She gave me a couple options, and the one that seemed to work out best is Anime Bonsai, which is next month from the 19th to the 21st, just north of Salt Lake City. And I uh, looked into that, and I booked my trip, and I'm going to be going there. And it actually gets a little bit better, because uh, I applied and was recently accepted. I am doing a panel with Anne. So this is going to be called How to End a Pokemon Movie Musically. And basically, you can think of this as a loose spin-off of our discussion series. We did briefly consider doing uh, a movie there, but it would have probably wound up being the Caldeo movie, which we felt a more general thing would be more appropriate for folks who weren't familiar with the series. 
But in any case, uh, we're still working out what exactly we want to put in there. We're working on a PowerPoint. But uh, I'm planning for us to sort of cover our backgrounds and do a sort of a brief overview with some observations from each of us, and then leaving a decent amount of time for Q&A. This is going to be a one-hour panel. And uh, if you happen to be going there or are looking into going to uh, Anime Bonsai this year, the slot we've been given for now is Saturday the 20th at 11 a.m. in Panels 4. That could change. Uh, You never know what's going to happen with this. We're still like a month out. And if you happen to be interested, I do plan on bringing some of my CD and cassette samplers if you would like one of those. But otherwise, I'm really looking forward to this, and I just wanted to make sure you knew. All right, folks, thanks. Thanks for listening to the PokePress Digest Podcast. We'd appreciate if you rate or review us on your podcast app of choice. If you'd like to find more of our great content, visit our website at pokepress.blogspot.com. If you'd like to contact us, send an email to pokepress at gmail.com or follow at pokepress on Twitter.